we've been. We've been talking about the vision of the church, and uh, the vision is uh, something that the elders and I and, and Alex and I have been talking and, and praying about and seeing uh, how God has equipped this church and, and where He is, is sending us and, and uh, everyone that, that is here has specific gifts and experiences and strengths and weaknesses, and God has brought us all together to minister, uh, first and foremost, to this city, to the city of Billings, where we, uh, where we are, where, where, we, where we, most of us live, and where we worship, and where we work, right? And so, um, there are other great churches in town, you know, uh, uh, Elevation is a good church, and Emmanuel is a good church, and there are plenty of good churches in town, but those churches are not us. Those churches do not have us with the gifts that God has given us and the experiences that God has given us. So um, there might be other great churches in town, uh, but, but we are not them. And so they're called to maybe uh, minister in a different way than what we are. So, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about faith and worship, and worship is uh, the most important thing that we can do. Uh, we, are, we are called, in fact, we are created to uh, worship God and, and, and enjoy Him forever, as they say, right? So, uh, that's first and foremost. But in order to do that, you have to come to faith. And so, faith and worship are uh, the, the most important things that we can do. We have faith, and, and our hope is in Him, and our trust is in Him, and we, we love Him. We worship Him because He's the holy God of the universe, and we absolutely are not. And so we uh, have faith and we worship, and then as we do that, after we've come to faith and begin to worship, then uh, we, we come together with the community, right? Church, church community. So community and growth, and uh, you faith and worship, and you're worshiping with your community, and you begin to love one another and, and be loved by your community. You begin to connect with the church and serve with the church and serve the church, and you begin to serve together outside the church, and you begin to do all of these things, and as a result, you begin to grow. Okay, so community and growth. Growth, so often, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, is miracle, right? Number of people, right? Or maybe budget, whatever. But what we're talking about is spiritual growth. And, and we believe that as you, after you come to faith and you join with the church and you, you join in the community and, and what the community of faith is doing, then you will grow in your faith. You'll grow. You're, you'll, you'll grow a deeper love for Jesus Christ. You, you'll put a, a, a your, your trust will be stronger in Him. Your hope will be in Him, more on Him and less on you, okay? And so uh, we see that. And then as you progress, then we also see service and outreach, which is what we're going to talk about today. And so uh, you've put your faith in, in Christ and you begin to, to worship Him first and foremost, and then you connect with your community and you're uh, involved in community groups and, and all of those things, and you're growing in your faith. What's going to happen is you're going to see the need to take the gospel to other people, to share that good news, right? And the whole thing is a circle because it just keeps repeating because as you serve, as you are involved in outreach, your faith is going to increase and your, your worship is going to change, become much deeper, and your community is, is going to become stronger and it just keeps going around and around, right? But what we're going to talk about today is service and outreach. But a question you might have is why serve, why serve? Well, why is service important? Why is service so important to, uh, to this church that we put it, you know, in our vision that that's what we want to do, that that's important to us? 
And the answer to that question is, is pretty simple. It's because service was important to Jesus. Service was, was absolutely important to Jesus, okay? And, and this is where we come to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 43. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Service was important to Jesus. Now, Jesus had, had just explained that his purpose was to essentially go to Jerusalem, be handed over by his own people uh, to the Gentiles, the Romans, and the Romans will condemn him to death. They're going to mock him. They're going to spit on him. They're going to beat him and torture him uh, in a way that is, is unimaginable almost. And then they're going to kill him. And that's essentially what he had just told his disciples. But James and John here ignore what he said. They totally ignore what Jesus had just told them because they're focused on what they had assumed Jesus will be. Okay, so uh, the Jews, uh, really much before Jesus showed up, before Jesus was born, the Jews were expecting a Messiah, a Messiah, right? Now, uh, we see things differently because we can look back at who the Messiah is, Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did. But before Jesus was born, they had their faith that a Messiah would come. And what they thought was they were expecting a Messiah who was kind of like a hybrid of uh, King David and Moses, okay? This uh, excellent leader who was a warrior and, and, and just all of these things who essentially would restore Israel to be this mighty nation again, something greater uh, than, than even King David had seen. That, that's what they were expecting. And so James and John at this time, they see Rome and, and they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So th what they're thinking is, is that Jesus is going to essentially start a revolution and kick Rome out of Israel, kick Rome out of Palestine, right? And so essentially kick Rome out and reestablish their kingdom and they'll be a mighty force on earth. That's what the disciples were looking for. They were looking for a mighty leader, a warrior, a, a political leader a leader of this world. Jesus never came to be a temporary leader. Jesus came to establish his eternal kingdom, not the, not the earthly kingdom in Israel. But Jesus had just essentially explained this, and the disciples don't hear any of it. They, they ignore what he said and essentially just say, who's, who's going to be the greatest? Who's, who's going to be who's gonna, next to you, Jesus? Who's going to have the most power? Who's going to have the most influence? Who's going to get to sit closest to you? That's what they're arguing about. Jesus takes the opportunity to share with the disciples that being great in his kingdom is not about doing for self, but about serving others. And that's what he's doing. That's what he came to do. He says, for even, in verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. If there is any person in all of history who deserved to be served, it was Jesus Christ. And yet he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. James and, and John are, um, are kind of rebuked here. Until not, not to look out for yourself. Don't, don't worry about being the greatest. Worry about serving 
care for others. Another way you could put this is love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus cared about serving other people. We should care about serving. One, one of the things that we see is that Jesus humbled himself for us. He absolutely did. And this is one of the things that is beautiful about Jesus. One, one of the incredible things about him is that he humbled himself from who he is and, and, and all of his glory in heaven. And, and Philippians chapter 2 describes this pretty well. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus left heaven, his, his glory, uh, to live a perfect life sinless life, but that life was lived as a poor, essentially homeless man. And he laid his life down on the cross for sinful humanity to deal with sins that he never committed, to deal with the sins that you and I committed. One of the things that we see in, in the beginning of the book of Acts is that the, the, God, the apostles could not contain the gospel. They couldn't keep it in. They couldn't hold it to themselves. They didn't even try to hold it in. They endured persecution that you and I probably can't even imagine because they had to share the message of Jesus Christ. They had to share the good news. Scripture tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. If that's true, when, when, when we think about, when we think about who Jesus is and how he humbled himself, how he cared about service, how, how the apostles responded to the gospel and, and how the scriptures define the gospel. And we have to realize that you and I can endure some discomfort in order to share that message. We, we can face a difficult conversation. We can face an awkward conversation. You and I can, can think of somebody else other than ourselves. If salvation was that important to Jesus and that important to the apostles and described by the Holy Spirit as, as the power of God for salvation, then spreading that message should be important to us. Those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus or Christians, those of us who claim to have accepted the gospel, those of us who, who call ourselves saved, Sharing the gospel should be important. And look, I, I'm, not even, I'm not asking you to lay your life down. I'm not telling you you need to get on a plane and go to North Korea. That's not what I'm saying. But here's the thing. Evangelicals, evangelicals understand that Jesus is to be the center of our lives. And so um, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pursue a, 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 or claim a, a Christ-centered marriage. A, we'll, we'll pursue Christ-centered parenting, right? We have Christian friends. We listen to Christian music. We read Christian books. We'll, you know, subscribe to Pure Flicks so that we don't allow the world into our entertainment, right? We do all of this, but so often we do all of these things and create this Christian world, which isn't bad. It, it's, it's good, but we'll do all of that stuff and then withhold the gospel from the world, We'll we'll claim, I can only listen to Christian music, and and that's great, and I commend you for that. And I can only read Christian books, that's great, and I commend you for that. But if you're not sharing the gospel, then something's missing in your life. I'm not asking you to lay your life down. All I'm asking is is that you love people enough to serve them. And I'm not asking it, really. I'm just quoting Christ. Love people enough to serve them. Because Jesus himself demands that we love them as ourselves. Even even people who don't deserve it. Even people who are difficult to love. I I drive by uh, Planned Parenthood several times a week. Several times a week. I I drive by there. And on Wednesdays, I don't, I don't know if you ever drive by Planned Parenthood or not, but on Wednesdays, they, they're out there uh, protesting with the signs and they're, they're praying for, uh, for the women who are, who are going in there and, and for the, the staff who works there. And if I'm completely honest with you, I have to tell you, it would be extremely difficult to love the people who are there encouraging women to, to murder their child. It, it really would be. And, it, and it's difficult to love people who advocate for that. But that doesn't mean that I'm exempt from doing it. It doesn't mean that I don't have to. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't expect me to. I can't, I can't drive by Planned Parenthood and say, you know what, Jesus, it's too hard to love the people in there. I can't do it. That's not how it works. People who are difficult to love, we're still called to love. We're still called to serve. People who we absolutely disagree with, we're still called to love. Here's the thing. You and I didn't deserve it either. You and I don't deserve to be loved as Jesus loves us. You and I did not deserve salvation. You and I did not deserve to be served by the Son of Man. There's no way that that I have earned that. I'm fallen. And I'm filthy in sin. And yet the holy God of the universe came to serve me. And he came to serve you. Because he loves you. And he knows, he knows that we can't deal with sin on our own. We can't deal with it on our own. And so he, he did. Because he's wonderful. Because he's gracious. Because his love is mind-blowing. So absolutely we are called to love people who are difficult. Called to love people who, who are, are, are enjoying the sins that they're indulging in. And I get that that's hard. And, and sometimes it seems impossible. But Christ still calls us to do it. Why serve? Another thing is Jesus expects us to care for others. To care for others. 
One of the, the best examples of this comes in the book of John, John chapter 13. You can uh, jump over there. John chapter 13, and I'm going to start in verse 12, but if I were you, I would read um, really the, uh, the entire chapter of John chapter 13. So John 13, starting with verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do them. Notice Jesus specifically said, if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example. That's what, that's what Christ says. He, he washes the feet of his disciples as an example, right? As, as a teaching moment. Jesus is telling us, his followers, as clearly as possible, that we're to follow his example here, right? That we're to follow his incredible humility and his incredible service. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're not greater than your master, right? We call him master. We're not greater than him. We shouldn't sit back and say, yeah, Jesus served and Jesus loved others as he loved himself and, and he, Jesus loved people in a radical way, but I don't have to. I don't have to. Jesus is saying, no, look, the, the servant is not greater than the master. I'm not exempt from these things. We're to follow his example. But so often, so often, we think that we deserve to be honored. We think that we deserve glory. Why do I think that everything should revolve around me and, and how I want them and, and, and how I would prefer them to be? I, I think that things would be better if they went this way. Therefore, that's how they should be. Why do I think that way? Why do we, why do we think that way? Jesus says to wash feet, to get dirty and nasty and other to serve others. Now, if, if, you've, um, if you've been around the church very long at all, I'm, I'm sure you've heard sermons on Jesus washing feet. Essentially, this is a nasty job, right? They're walking around uh, dirty, dusty uh, Jerusalem. Their feet are gross. They're, you know, they're wearing sandals and they, their people's feet were stinky and nasty and awful, and, and this job, the job of washing feet, was kind of like the, the, for the, the lowest slave, right? That was not a job that, that anyone ever wanted to do. It was not a fun job. It was not a good job. It was not enjoyable at all. It was gross and nasty, about as gross and nasty as you can think of it, right? It was, he's telling us to get dirty, get, get our hands dirty as we serve others, Notice one thing else. The disciples here, it, it's, not like, it's not like they had to have their feet washed in order to save their life, right? They, they didn't have to have clean feet in order to live. 
Jesus didn't have to clean their feet in this situation. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get their, their, lose a limb or something like that. They, they weren't, this was not like um, an emergency. Jesus does it because, Jesus does it because he's a humble servant. He's an incredible leader, a fantastic community. He's gracious. And he, he wants to leave a memorable uh, teaching moment for his disciples. And so he humbles himself and washes their feet so that they'll always remember that, never forget it. And I'm sure until, until the day that they died, here, here John is writing about it. They never forgot when the Son of God washed their feet. Here's another reason why service is important. Because doing for others is doing for Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 40. Then the king will come, or excuse me, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When we serve, we serve our Lord, Jesus Christ. When we serve people, when we serve people who are, as the examples here, who are sick or who are lonely or who don't have clothes or hungry, when we serve them, we're serving Christ. In other words, he accepts it as an act of worship. Look, you and I might not live in the same day as Jesus did. We might not be able to, to see him walking through the street or, or, or go to uh, this, see literally the Sermon on the Mount. But we can still serve him by serving others. Jesus cares so deeply for people that when we put their needs above our own, he accepts it as worship. And this, again, is, is mind-blowing. The way he views people is incredible. There's, there's a difference between service and outreach. Service, I would say, is, is something like, like the example Jesus just gave of feeding the hungry or clothing the naked, right? Helping the homeless and just kind of helping them with their needs because we know that, that Jesus loves them. Jesus sees them as, as a spiritual being in, in desperate need of a Savior. And so uh, we see them in that way. We want to we help them. They have an empty stomach, so we, we want to feed them. Right? They, they don't have a, a children, don't have a winter coat in a Montana winter. We, we want to keep them warm, right? Outreach is a little different. And that outreach is kind of like service, but intentionally from the beginning, it's to carry the gospel to them. Okay? And so you're going out with the purpose of evangelizing them. Now, that might include service. Now, you might go there and you might, you know, feed a breakfast to the homeless and, and also share the gospel with them at, over breakfast, something like that. 
right? So service and outreach are very similar, but outreach definitely has the, in, the intentional purpose from the beginning to share the gospel with them in a direct way. Outreach is exactly what Jesus expects of us. And, and the, the best example of this is, is the Great Commission. Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is probably the most famous Great Commission statement. The Great Commission is actually in all of the Gospels and the book of Acts. So you can find uh, this same command in every one of the Gospels and the book of Acts. But notice here, uh, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. Does he say, does he say I'll, I'll, I'll send the lost to you? Does he say the Holy Spirit will do all the work and all you have to do is sit down and wait? That's not what he says. That's not what he says. Jesus says, go. And, and absolutely, he'll, he'll bring people to us. Absolutely, the Holy Spirit is working in, in a way that, that we're not going to understand. But Jesus tells us, if you have put your faith in Christ and you call yourself a Christian, Jesus tells you to go. Now, Matthew was originally written in Greek, and so uh, you know, it had to be translated into English. And if you translate it, probably a, a better way to translate it would be uh, kind of like, um, as you are going. As you are going, make disciples. That's what he's saying. As you're going. As, as you live your life, as, as we work, as, as we take the kids to the park, as we eat at restaurants, as we go to the shops around town, as you vacation, right? As you do these things, intentionally seek to make disciples. It should be a part of your life. As you are living, make disciples. And there are, there are a number of ways to do this and different approaches, and I don't know how many different evangelism programs there have, there have been, but uh, what Jesus is saying is, is make evangelism, right, a part of your life, right? Make disciples as you're living, as you're living your life. And, and so this, this can look different. You know, as you're going in to Albertsons or Walmart or, or wherever it is that you shop for groceries, you know, as you're walking from your car into the, into the door, you know, just pray, dear God, give me the wisdom and the insight to share the gospel while I'm in here. God, put people in my life that I can interact with, that I can share the gospel with. God, allow me to speak to someone who doesn't know you. Give me the courage and the clarity to share the gospel while, while I'm shopping today. Right? A simple prayer like that and then actively look. Actively look for opportunities. Outreach is about getting out into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the story of Jesus is life, death, and resurrection. That, that, that's what we're looking to share. That's the good news. That's, 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 what the, that's what the book of Romans says is the power of God for salvation. We are meant to get out into the world, to meet people, to love them, and to share Jesus with them, share the gospel with them. That, that's what we're meant to do. That's what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission. 
as you're going, make disciples. The church was never supposed to hunker down and wait for, sin, for sinners to trickle in. We are never supposed to just isolate ourselves from, from the lost and hope that they come looking for a Savior. We're meant to get out into the world and share that message with them because we love our Lord and we, and we love our city. We love the people around us. And to be honest with you, this is, this is your greatest duty and honor. A- after worshiping Him, this, is, this is, should be your greatest honor that God is involving you, you or me in the ministry that he's doing in this world because I don't deserve it. Who, who am I to, to share that message? No one. Sharing the gospel is absolutely, as a Christian, sharing the gospel is more vital than your job. It's more vital than downtime. It's more vital than watching TV or or scrolling Facebook or or whatever it is that that you do. Engaging people where they are with the gospel is the responsibility of the church. And this can happen in a variety of different ways. And I know, like, when we're not used to it, it can kind of be awkward. But to be honest with you, I I kind of evaluated it um, and and just started doing it because um, those of you who know me, you you know that I, I... love to run, right? And so I could talk about running for hours and hours and hours, and it would bore you and put you to sleep, right? But I love to talk about running and distance running and all of this stuff, okay? And so uh, after a while, when I would talk about running and, and things, I kind of evaluated that and said, okay, well, if I can talk about running so often and so easily and so naturally because I enjoy it, and for some reason I think other people like to hear about it, right, then, then I could do the same thing with, with the gospel, with Jesus, I could just naturally bring it up and naturally talk about it because it matters to me. I also, you know, talking to people, I always tell them what I do for a living, which, like, when, when I do that, then I, I win, right? Essentially, because if, if I tell them I'm a pastor and I don't ask them if they have a church or, or what their spiritual beliefs are, then I'm kind of a terrible pastor. And so it's just telling people what I do for a living is, makes it a little easier. But uh, what, I, what I would do for you is, is the things that you love to talk about, the things that matter to you, whether that be the outdoors and hiking or music or cooking or, or you know, whatever it is that, that you just enjoy, right? And, and you can find yourself easily talking about and easily transitioning any conversation, you know, from going from whatever it is over to football, right? And however it is that you do that, you can apply the same concept to the gospel, Because if the gospel matters to you that much, and if people matter to you that much, then then you're going to talk about it. You're going to go out of your way to to connect people with Christ. Because you love Him. You want to worship Him. And you love people. And you know that they're condemned. Another thing I would tell you about outreach is is don't don't complicate it. Don't, Don't overly complicate it. Engaging the world can mean getting to know your neighbor instead of pretending like you didn't see them, right? Now, outreach can come in the form of 
of a, a complicated program with a lot of moving parts. You know, we can set up an event and we can go down and we can go to the rescue mission and we can have a breakfast and we can uh, have some talking points and prepare everyone. That, that can be an outreach event. But it can also be something as simple as getting to know your garbage man and saying hi to your garbage man. Now, uh, kind of what I'm talking about here too is uh, I'm referring to what we call lifestyle evangelism. In other words, getting to know your neighbor, serving your neighbor, you know, bringing his trash in or shoveling his driveway or whatever it is, um, cutting his grass, taking him, uh, you know, snacks and desserts and all that stuff is great and that you're, you're loving your neighbor. But lifestyle evangelism only works if you actually share the gospel because the gospel, as Scripture says, is the power of God for salvation. So it's great to serve people. It's great to love people. It's great to really demonstrate that love in practical ways that they, they can see and hold. But sharing the message of the gospel is the key. Sharing who Jesus is, what he has done, why he did it, and why that matters is vital. That is the power of God for salvation. So it can come in the form of, of a program or it can come in the form of you know, walking across your yard, shaking your neighbor's hand. But it should always be, should always be about Jesus and how he laid his life down so that we can live. That's what it has to be. That's the message of the gospel. That's the, that's the incredible gospel, the beautiful gospel. That's, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're charged with. So, we look through the vision as um, faith and worship and community and growth and service and outreach. These things, they, they repeat and they, they uh, grow. They grow our faith. They grow our love. We put more and more of our hope in Christ and less in ourselves. We're, we're involved in outreach. We start reaching out in our own community. And then we get involved in maybe even missions work. And the gospel spreads around the world, which is exactly what happened. The disciples expanded, and they went, and here we are, I don't know what it is, 8,000 miles away from Jerusalem sharing the gospel because they took it out. Service and outreach should always be about Jesus because Jesus served. Jesus made, it, made serving a priority, and he commanded that we reach out. He commanded that we bring that message to the world, to the sinners. And that is, our, that is our mission, that is our challenge as Christians and as the church. Let's pray.